All right. All right. All right. <laughs> we are Who's going to start? <laughs> we are 3, 2, 1 going. This movie that we're discussing today. So we're discussing. Okay. So. <laughs> what should we tell the people what we are and who we're about? Hey, everybody. And welcome. Who we're about? What? I was, to go on. Pizza go on. <laughs> you interrupted me. <laughs> You interrupted my brilliant beginning. You're going to do it. Uh, let me turn off my AC and pretend I can hear you. All right. Here, I'm going to do a brilliant intro. <clears throat> hey, everybody, and welcome to Pizza Toast. This is a YA-adjacent podcast where we read books and then talk about the media based on those books. Uh, we've been going for a while now, and we see no sign of stopping, no reason to cease. I'm Phil. I'm Christy. I'm still trying to turn off my AC, but that was a really good intro, Phil. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I practiced it in my car. I didn't practice it in my car. Last episode, we talked about one of the seminal works of young adult fiction. Oh, uh, I don't know if I would say that. Uh, right up there with uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, and uh, Anne of Green Gables, we covered uh, Shrinking Violet by Danielle Joseph, everyone's favorite novel. Uh, I mean... Maybe somebody's favorite novel. Somebody uh, out no, there no, in the ether. No, you don't I, think so? I, I don't. <laughs> you don't think so? I, I think it's probably one of those. I think at the most, it's one of those novels that people went, did I read that? I think it's that level. Someone will recognize the cover. Yeah, that's probably accurate. So yeah, so Shrinking Violet made no impression on the world. None. None whatsoever. Uh, however, however, what followed certainly did in certain quarters of the internet, in I, a, I'm led to believe. In a weird way. Yeah, really weird way. And I'm realizing that the things that people make fun of about this movie the most are not what they should be paying attention to. Yeah, I went into this movie expecting one thing. What I got was a totally different thing. A fascinating thing, but uh, yeah. but a different thing. Yeah. Uh, you said this is not this is a bad movie. Mm -hmm. You said that. Uh, yeah, you're oh, you're a bad on record movie. as having said that. But it is better than the book, and I don't disagree. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a it's a movie that is better than the source material. Still a bad movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got some interesting ideas. In in my other podcast, in Deep in Bear Country, I'll frequently cover a Berenstain Bears book and then cover uh, an adaptation of that book. And yeah. a lot of times, the adaptation you've been on for okay. these, and a lot of times the adaptation will actually kind of improve or fix mm -hmm. some plots junk that the book like sort of brushed over. But because you're adapting it into an actable like piece of entertainment, right. you, you've got to fill those spackle in those holes. What the movie, this movie does, oh yeah, it's 2012's Radio Rebel. Uh, mm -hmm. What Radio this movie Rebel. does is it it fixes the plot of the book but in doing so introduces a billion other plot holes and i think i know why like i think i figured out what happened with this like it it makes sense to me what happened do you want to work your way up to that or do you want to give us a little backstory what are we thinking here what what what, what astounds me that there's so many aspects of this that just fascinate me yeah. We can't discuss this movie without discussing Marvista Entertainment. That Marvista, as soon as you pointed out what Marvista is as an entity, it's all I could think about whatever something particularly like bewitching happened on screen. <laughs> like the the we'll talk about the wipes, I hope. Bewitching is a great term. Uh we also have to talk about the fact that this movie was directed by the award-winning writer and director of Sliding Doors. Like, this 
This guy has a career that started out as an actor. He's a British actor who was all over British television, was like a child star, wrote his first directing thing was writing and directing Sliding Doors, which got him all this attention. He directed that uh, antitrust movie. He, <gasps> no. He, he was all over film for a while, and then it ended up with him directing a Mar Vista Entertainment production of Radio Rebel, and then just kind of like silently just kind of disappearing. This guy is like has a career. He's like a, a, a guy, and I don't know how he got attached to this. He lives Still in Canada really now. The antitrust that's, thing. This that's is all a, I can think. Uh, antitrust being a cornerstone of all entertainment in the Admiral household. There are lines that Scott and I will just yell at each other for no reason. We do not need context for it. The way other people quote like Anchorman, that's antitrust for us. My only antitrust touch point is that I was in the Mall of America once and this guy had a little booth set up and he was like, hey man, come over here. So of course I went and he was like, uh, I want you to watch, would you watch something and then give your impression of it? And I was like, sure. So I had to put on this pair of like goggles and it showed me the trailer for antitrust, which I had never heard of. This was before it like hit the theaters. He's like, why don't you watch this? I'm going to ask you a few questions about it. Give me your impression. So I watched the, the, the trailer for antitrust. He's like, so like, first off, what did you think? And I was like, I don't think that's a real movie. I was like, I don't, I was like, this looks terrible. And he was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I was like, I don't, why would I want, I, I have no interest in whatever this mess is. And then I kind of walked off. That's my only touchstone with antitrust. We really, I really could go on a tear about it, but I think it's better if we talk about Mar Vista and talk less about uh, that movie. Yeah. But Mar Vista's catalog is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, well, what is Mar Vista? Like, what is, what do you call that? It's a production company, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. what they produce is a lot of, I would say, Hallmark and Hallmark level movies. Yes. Well, specific. Yeah. 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 Lifetime. And this is its only Disney Channel original movie, correct? N is it? No. I think that they, uh, I think that Debbie Ryan's other movie that she did before this is a 16 Wishes. Doesn't, oh. Yeah. It was, yeah. That was a Disney Channel premiere. So they uh, just really like working with Debbie Ryan. <laughs> well, who wouldn't? Debbie Ryan is the star of their first movie. Uh, 16 yeah. Wishes was their first movie starring Debbie Ryan. Yeah. And then they did Radio Rebel two years later. Um, but they also did like House of Versace, that 2013 film about about uh, about Versace. Uh, yeah. They're a Canadian company, mm -hmm. uh, which which like I understand studios like warner brothers like that makes sense to me and i think most people like are like oh yeah warner brothers sony like big like studios these little production companies though i don't think people realize just how important these things are to like the day-to-day -day just sort of like garbage forgettable entertainment they watch is and I'm, I'm using garbage seriously like Mar Vista Entertainment produces garbage, like mm -hmm. a ton of garbage. These these are borderline watchable movies. Uh, many of them made for undiscerning children to be forgotten instantly. Most of them don't have their own Wikipedia pages. Uh, they are they are knockoffs of other movies. They are just simply there to like fill time. If you're an adult, they're simply there to be like, uh, I could be cleaning the living room, but I guess I'll watch this. 
And for a kid, it's just like, I don't know, Disney told me to watch this. I guess I'll watch it. Uh, and then you sort of develop. Oh, and they also directed, they also did Zapped, the uh, Selena the, Gomez. The Selena Zapped. Gomez Zapped, yeah. Yeah, not the original Zapped. Not no. the original Nothing Zapped. that interesting. <laughs> also, they uh, produced the Lifetime original movie with Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig, yeah. which, as I recall, didn't really accomplish anything that it set out to do. It was just a shot-for-shot Lifetime movie. There was no parody in it. Right, but it was it was positioned as a parody of Lifetime movies. Yeah. But then it just was a Lifetime. Like, it didn't really land. The, the thing is, those two have collaborated uh, at least a, like a, a, like on things that satires of like Thornbirds and that sort of thing, right? The Spoils of Babylon right. is actually yeah. pretty fantastic. But that Lifetime movie fell entirely flat. And that was a, a proud uh, Marvista property. Right. I think it's like when Marvel... Uh, would try to do their own version of Mad Magazine, their own, and they do their own in-house parodies of their own work, and it was never funny because you just you can't if you satirize yourself, it's it's either going to be too on the nose or or you're going to be too scared to make fun of anything. Yeah, it, it just but, doesn't work. Plus, but you know what does work? Radio what? Rebel. Just Radio kidding. Rebel. Uh, so <laughs> many things about this are strange and nonsensical and. I don't know. I found this fascinating to watch. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. okay, neither of us have ever seen it, right? No, I had never seen this movie. Uh, apparently, Alana had seen this movie. <laughs> How? Because she watched it with Mitzi. Because Mitzi was like, Mom, we watched that movie together. She had no memory of it. N- absolutely she? none. Like, there's, She was like, I, don't, I guess I watched this. I probably fell asleep during it. Because uh, we watched it together. Right, uh, of course. Yeah. So I've seen TikToks of it. Mm-hmm. I've oh, yeah. Seen the it, it was Danny heavily Gonzalez, memed. Uh, video on it twice. Yeah. I've probably seen all manner of that kind of thing, but I've never sat down and watched the movie. And what is this? Like, what what are we looking at here? This is an MTV Books book, mm-hmm. as we as we mentioned in the last episode, uh, which. Uh, was at this point kind of had lost a little bit of its luster, but this is an MTV books book that I assume that they were just throwing at every production company, like, please option this book. And that Mar Vista entertainment was probably like, this looks like something we can produce for kids Mm -hmm. that somebody read this book, or I believe probably read a synopsis of this book said, it's an interesting premise. The entire back half would not work as a movie because the entire back half of Shrinking Violet is just a minor complication and inconvenience that people just complain about for the rest of the book. That's accurate. Uh, and they do they make some choices that make this story work. So they said we need a con- we need an actual conflict. And my theory is, can I tell you my theory? Yes, please do. My theory is that the screenwriter, the director, the producers, someone said, your only note when you're writing this thing is, we have to change Sweet Tea into something we can put on a t-shirt. Like, you can't call her Sweet Tea. That doesn't make it, that is hard to say and sounds terrible when you say it out loud. It has to be the proper noun equivalent of Camp Rock. Like something you can put on a, you can put on a, on a t-shirt or a lunchbox. 
Um, and the movie has to end with every student saying, I'm Radio Rebel. It like we have to start with the with the with the Spartacus ending. And however you want to get there, you have just work backwards from that. It starts with a group of students each standing up saying, I'm Radio Rebel. Of course, forgetting that Spartacus ends up it doesn't work in Spartacus. Like that's No, it doesn't work out for him. It's this is one of those many, many times uh in history after the I am Spartacus movement that it does work out. It doesn't work, it works out. But Every single choice they make in this movie is clearly designed to get to that moment. They're like, well, if, if you're going to have kids standing up as Sam Radio Rebel, there has to be a reason it's it's a bad thing to be outed as Radio Rebel. Well, yeah. if it's bad, why? Why? Maybe because she would get expelled. Well, why would she get expelled? Well, Radio Rebel had to have done something at the school. Well, what can Radio Rebel do at the school? I don't know. Maybe a spontaneous dance party at lunch. <laughs> like, it, I can see them just like operating backwards until it finally dovetails with the plot of the book. And they're like, we'll just make the change there and go on from there. You're almost certainly correct. Because that I am Spartacus moment, I knew it was coming. Like, yeah. I, I knew that that was going to happen. I factually knew it was going to happen because I've watched and, and read enough and like absorbed by osmosis enough of this book to know that, or this movie, that it was going to happen. I was still shocked when it happened. And still, like, shocked that I, it works. I still I still can't believe that her best friend, who, by the way, is nothing in the book, and in this is so much. She is the most. Like the first to say it, and then we have everybody cascading. And it actually doesn't yeah, it doesn't I'm not crying. I'm not cheering, <laughs> but I am like Oh, yeah. <laughs> it also makes no sense because oh, no. the point of the I am Spartacus moment is really just to show your support for someone. Like, yes. you're not fooling anyone. The other thing it does is it can confuse, like, if, if you're trying to out someone, if everyone claims to be that person, then you can confuse the person who's trying to out them. This functions in, not, in no way. Like, in no way does that work. Like, if if you catch someone robbing a store... And then a bunch of people run up and go, no, I was the one robbing the store. No, I was. And you'd be like, well, thank you for your support, but I clearly caught this guy robbing the store. You can still arrest that person. Radio Rebel gets outed and everyone claims to then be Radio Rebel. And the, the, the principal who's trying to out her is just like, I guess I guess I can't I can't f figure out my way through this. She can't expel everyone. The principal is uh, one of many baffling characters we yeah. have here I, 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 you are using the word character very generously <laughs> she is a series of 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 off-putting facial expressions she's at one point she has uh like she's standing behind a girl yeah she pulls on her hair and curls it around her fingers and the girl's expression doesn't change and yeah uh, yeah, there's a there's a bit of that. There's a lot of that in this movie. A lot of people are doing things on screen in view of the camera because no one told them to stop. And you know what this movie doesn't have a sleazy DJ. It does not have a. It doesn't have a lot of the characters. It surprisingly has some of the characters I thought would just be left on the cutting room floor, like her friend at the at this. There's a, there's an equivalent of the pop tart character. I like the equivalent of the Pop-Tart character. Like, the only I, characters I liked are the ones who weren't giving it their all. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's her. 
Mm-hmm. It's mostly her. Gavin, she's, Gavin is pretty is pretty mellow and low key. He's I mean, he's not a bad actor. That's Adam DeMarco, I yeah. think. Uh he is in the show The Magicians, because I told you that I was going to refer to him exclusively as Todd from The Magicians. And he gives a very good uh to Ernest by half performance when he's introduced on that show. And there is some of that here. And I think he's also capturing what all Disney movies required of their crush. Yeah. I think he does a decent job of that. He makes a lot of direct eye contact. Uh, he tells her how cute she is. He kisses her on the cheek at the end, which I actually found really sweet. Yes, yes. I <laughs> yeah. like that he kissed her cheek. Um, he has a friend who's been created for the movie because he's in a band in this movie. He's the not G's. a yeah. Yeah, he's not a struggling just songwriter. He's actually in a very popular high school band. <laughs> I liked his... Until they decided that the friend was going to be the villain or a, an obstacle, Something? yeah, I liked the friend. I was like, oh, I like, I liked the way he he played. He was in a different movie. He was like, He's, I'm in a. He was in an episode of Degrassi. He was. There are a lot of people who are in a different movie in this. You pointed out. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's like seven movies going on. There is, there is an episode of Power Rangers going on in the background <laughs> that I was just like, what. It, what as you pointed out there's also apparently an episode of star trek occurring in the last scene which both of us noticed and i don't know what was happening there three women wearing what's essentially tos like enterprise uniforms at the prom and yeah or morp sorry it's called morp at the morp Uh, the worst word ever given to an they didn't have to go that episode you said they were bulk and skull i say lenny and squiggy i think we need to start at the top uh start at the top Let's we have start a lot at the to say. Yeah. So we have the same basic premise. It's this girl named Tara who wants to be a DJ. In the movie, she is already a DJ, mm-hmm. but she hosts a what is referred to as a podcast, but seems to be broadcast live from her bedroom radio show, uh, where she is Radio Rebel, and she is already established at the school as the most popular like, boot, like a, 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 a pirate radio station, I guess. <laughs> At the we, I think we would call this, this would be like a Twitch streamer now, right? Yeah, she would just, yeah. Uh, but with, and one that doesn't reveal their face or yeah. their actual voice. Right, she's an anonymous streamer, and yeah. she plays music, and she's really good at talking, and the kids love to hear her insights. She tells you mm-hmm. to be yourself. That's pretty much her whole thing, be yourself. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. I think Debbie Ryan does a fine job. I think she does a fine job in this movie. I don't think she does nearly as badly as she gets the rap for because that's the thing people it's one of the things people really like to make fun of she does her facial expressions are so much but that's what's it's called but for also, like, like on top of everyone else's facial expressions they're <laughs> barely noticeable there is well we'll get to it but she's she's the most popular girl in school and it and it's kind of follows the same pattern for a while she her she has a stepfather who runs a popular radio station uh she gets a chance to be the like fill-in dj on there she doesn't there's no jason there's no jason there's no uh gross guy yeah. uh the they, only they just radio station employees the... we ever meet are her stepfather who's basically the same character as he is in the book yeah just a nice and guy. uh her uh like the pop-tart character who's mm-hmm. character the name I can't remember, but she's great. The Pop Tart character, whose name is Cammy, Cammy Q. She's great. Uh, yeah. She's fun. She really helps her keep the illusion alive. Uh, she's very supportive. Uh, 
her mother is a nice person. Yeah, just a little flighty. Yeah, she's just a little like she's like air. She's an airhead, right? Like that's her thing. And yeah. she does. She is as enthusiastic about prom as the character is in the book, uh, but she is in no way uh, verbally or emotionally abusive. She's <laughs> right, like, thank God. A normal mom. <laughs> yeah, a normal yeah. stock mom. Right. She's not pushy. She's just, she's bubbly and wants Tara to be happy, essentially. Yeah, which is nice. It's a nice yeah. change. But in, to such a degree that it's hard, when the when the parents are on screen together, I'm like, I have no idea why these people find each other attractive at all. Like, they are such different characters. Oh, also, they mention her dad in a throwaway line at one point. Right. Uh, I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they feel a need to establish that there was a dad, except, no, I don't know why. I don't know. That's it. It's it's just an extra line that didn't need to be (laughs) there. It's just there. Um, So she becomes, she just, she transfers her Radio Rebel show to an actual radio station. Uh, It becomes the the hit of the town. Uh, The kids are all talking about it. But what's important to establish here is that before it even goes to radio, People are already trying to figure out who Radio Rebel is. They know she's a student at the school, mm-hmm. including her two good friends. Who are these guys? Where do they come from? Why do they do the things that they do? Their names are Barry and Larry. Are they and brothers? Yes, they're they're fraternal twins. No, they're not. I mean, like, I know they say that, but... They are supposed to be... And they are, they are, imagine, I said bulk and skull because it's that quality of acting. Like yes. when you're on screen, it's like you expect like a lot of boyoying sound effects <laughs> and you sometimes get them. You do. But I don't know what, where, what was told to them. Like, I feel like they were just told to give it your all, kiddos. And that they just were like they never got another note after that, right? And there are some characters, like some of the high school students, are doing a thing that makes sense. Like the the girl who plays Stacy, that performance makes sense. She's mean. Right. She's right. mean. Uh, she's uh, self absorbed, uh, but it is also it comes apparently from some kind of deep seated insecurity. Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh boy, does it? It really does. And then. Uh, uh, yeah. Her best, like, uh, Tara's best friend, Audrey, is a theater kid to the greatest possible extent, and mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. It's not, it's, like, it's grating, but it's, it's also, gr- like, at least she has a thing that she does. There's a, there's a quality of acting that I think of that is, when you see a lot, when you go to see a lot of high school or regional, like, not regional, I would say, like, even it's community theater, mm-hmm. there are the actors on stage who... It's so hard to get a, a to get a an amateur actor to really go a hundred percent. It's just a hard. Not everyone has the charisma. Not everyone has the stage presence. So that when you find someone who's going a hundred and twenty percent, the tendency as a director is to go just keep doing that. Just whatever you feel like doing on stage, just keep doing it and crank it up. I'll tell you when it's too much. And so you end up with like a production of The Sound of Music where there's like one Nazi on stage like flailing around and being like, hey, everybody. (laughs) And the director's like, wonderful. The audience will be cracking up just because it's something. It's something on stage. And that's what I felt like with these guys. Like, 
oh wow, they're they're willing to just just mug and go for it. Just keep it, keep it, just keep doing it. There's nothing you can do that's bad. And then they gave the same direction to the principal. <laughs> okay, the principal. Nancy Robertson, one of the apparently most successful actors in Canada. I don't even know where to begin with this. You said it's sort of a Sherry O'Terry performance, and I would agree with that. This is like an SNL character, but for over an hour, and not one with any particular direction beyond. Be slightly menacing, but also slapstick. Yeah, you know, I said Sherry O'Terry, and I firmly, she kind of looks like Sherry O'Terry, she too. Does. Um, I bring that up because Saturday Night Live, every season of Saturday Night Live has like the one actor the one at least one performer whose whole thing is open your eyes as big as you can and you're really manic every single character you play is like this and this is all you could do like oh i'm this character the whole time like there's always a saturday live character like that's all they do and sherry terry was kind of that except she's more talented that's all this woman is she has big eyes and she's making little faces and she's creeping around with her body and like doing like herky jerky movements all she over does the a screen. lot of strange movements like because movement no one told her. her not to and she was probably just like i guess i'll just throw myself <laughs> around the screen i don't come across as a principal but i guess this is what they want me to do she's the only authority figure in this movie right i mean <laughs> Right. she's uh, There's apparently a teacher in this movie, but I don't remember her. There is a teacher. Uh, it's the English teacher. Oh, yeah. Who's bringing together the English class with the drama club. Because we do have this plot that is sort of mimicking the Helen Keller, Judy Bloom, Stephen King collective. It it actually works better for me because Stacy is, is part of the group as opposed to just being in her own group. Yeah, so they sort of fuse the characters of Stacy and Kayla together. Yeah, like Stacy's Stacey a perfectionist. Over, yeah, Stacy's this overachiever. She's a goody goody, but she's also a mean girl, and she's also like terrorizing Tara the entire movie. She does a better job of terrorizing Tara here than she does in the book. She does because she just is focused on because she's jealous of Radio Rebel is her yeah, big of course. thing. She's jealous of Radio Rebel because Radio Rebel's pulling the attention. Uh, and also, for no reason, the principal is romantically obsessed with her. <laughs> yep. Yep, she is. Like, she's obsessed with this student to the degree that it is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She really loves Stacey McBain. They say her na- last name enough that I, that I remember <laughs> it. Uh, also, Gavin and Stacey have a romantic dynamic. Let's, I mean, or Gavin and Stacey was a sitcom. That is the funniest thing. The whole time I was watching it, I was like, why does this sound familiar? And then you were like, that's the name of a sitcom. Just immediately. (laughs) It was all I could think of as soon as the two of them were paired together. Who was Uh, in Gavin and Stacey? That was a... Joanna Page and Matthew Horn. Nobody. It's a British sitcom. I knew it was... I thought What's-His-Face is on it. For some reason, I thought that... That talk show host guy. That James Corden is in it. He is in it. Okay, okay. I thought James Corden was in it. He's not Gavin, You know, Gavin, the one though? that uh, hates servers. Uh, he hates service workers. Uh, <laughs> he, is he Gavin? He's not Gavin. No, he's a second lead. He's Or like second tier. Because I want to okay, I want to yeah. recast Radio Rebel with the cast of Gavin and Stacey. You know what? James Corden can play, uh, I guess, the, the obsessive best friends, the, the boys. <laughs> he can play both of them at the same time. 
it's a good role for him. He was in Buster Cats. for Jones. Yes, he was best. Buster for Jones. So Buster yeah, Jones. yeah. So Gavin, yeah, Gavin and Stacy have a romantic relationship. Is it? He's asked her to the, or they're going to the. How did that even work out? I don't they're understand. Going to the prom together, and it feels like they both just decided this without actually clarifying to each other that they're going to. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird that she's interested in him right up until the point you realize there are no popular kids aside from her at this school. Right. I guess he's the most popular boy because he's in this band, the G's. Yeah. And he's not the mugging fright front man. He's like the kind of broody, uh, keyboardist. Yeah. 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 And he does a, I mean, he ends up playing the guitar by the end of the movie, but of course he does. But in the meantime, yeah. Uh, yeah. The front man plays the bass, which is interesting. He sure does. But does he actually play it? Kind of looks like he's just strumming it. Kind of looks like he's just sort of like half, half, half miming playing a song. I Uh, kind of enjoyed that. I enjoyed watching that. Their songs are are decent. Like they're they're, catchy. They're Uh, fine pop. Yeah. They're catchy. Uh, I mean, this isn't like an Adam Schlesinger situation or anything no. like that, but it's a, it, you know, it, it does its job. Yeah, but. I can see where like kids would be like, we're like, I want this soundtrack. Like it's, yeah, it's and fun. the soundtrack is on Spotify, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little plug, a sure. little plug for our sponsors at Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they should give us some money. Um, yeah. Okay, so where are we in this movie? So uh, she's gotten the job. She's gotten Radio. Oh yeah. So how about uh, so Radio Rebels becoming very popular, and at cool. some point she decides that. The, oh, another subplot is that ki- kids aren't allowed to listen to their to their MP3 players in class. That's like a big thing. Mm-hmm. So the principal confiscates all MP3 players and headphones. And so since kids can't listen to MP3 players in class, then Radio Rebel broadcasts music that they that tells them all to dance in class. So they dance and then they get in trouble for that. So then Radio Rebel gets a radio station van to pull up to this across the street from the school during lunch to blast music at the school so they can all dance during uh, lunch. And since she didn't get a permit to do it, no, she did get a permit. She gets First, a permit. Cammy gets a permit. Because it's disruptive or something, the principal's like, well, because of that, if I find out who Radio Rebel is, she's expelled from the school, which I don't think is allowed. I think that that's against, like, I think that's above and beyond what the principal can do, but that's the plot of the movie. Everything she tries to do do like uh, like it doesn't no none of it makes any sense i don't understand this uh like this structure of authority and there's the scene where uh one of the breakthrough scenes for tara is when her stepfather is like i don't know man the principal's pretty mad i think i gotta pull the plug on radio rebel and then tara monologues for a bit uh (laughs) (laughs) the the stepfather is like that's the most i've ever heard tara say yeah says that to her and then he's like oh, all is free and clear you can keep doing whatever you want right right uh it doesn't make it nothing makes any sense because now the the danger is that if tara is outed as radio rebel she will get expelled from school right that's it on top of all of this prom is coming up and people and like and i don't somehow for some reason radio rebel is going to is it does this thing where they're gonna uh, a promise coming up prom gets canceled prom gets canceled by the vengeful principal right uh, everyone is furious at radio rebel oh because if radio rebel doesn't reveal herself prom is canceled is the yes threat. so people turn on her because she's not going to reveal herself and then she has a brilliant idea that they're going to turn prom upside down and throw their own and of course uh slime fm is going to fund this and wait what are they going to call it uh, well, because they're turning prom upside down, which 
By the way, Tara got the idea from from someone saying the words upside down. Yes, yes, she did. She was like, wait, repeat that? And the person's like, upside down. And she's like, I've got it. They're going to have a morp, which is the opposite of prom, because it's not about popularity or dressing up. It's a come-as-you-are dance, which, by the way, nobody goes to as they are. Everyone no dresses as they are, and it is very also nice. not, not a popularity contest because they do still elect a king and queen. Right. So they still have a king and queen of the Morp, yes. which is, but this time it's going to be voted on by the students, but through Radio Rebel. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, well, Radio Rebel's going to win because she's fig- she's the one who gets to say who's the problem. Like everyone's, so everyone's like, well, if Radio Rebel wins, then she'll be outed. Yeah. So the solution, it seemed to be, would simply be for Radio Rebel to disqualify herself from being the prom queen. Like, it would make sense if Radio Rebel was like, well, I obviously can't be the prom queen, so vote for someone. But she doesn't do that because that would make sense. No, no. Uh, a lot of things happen that don't make sense. And uh, uh, at the end of the movie, uh, she's uh, she's Radio Rebel. They're all Radio Rebel. Uh, she decides that Stacy should be queen. There are a couple of confrontations with Stacy, uh, and at the end of the day, it's like, oh, she's misunderstood. So here's the crown. <laughs> she's mis- <laughs> So Stacy, at one point, Tara is in Stacy's. Okay, so there's this whole party scene that Mitzi told me was her favorite scene, where Tara has to go to a party to prove that she's not Radio Rebel because Radio Rebel's broadcast will be happening at the same time. Right. Rather than simply pre-recording a bunch yeah. of intros to songs, which she apparently has done, they also decide that it's going to continue being a call-in show. So they have a soundboard of Radio Rebel statements in order to... It makes no sense. But nope. So Stacy calls into the show during the party so she can see if Tara is talking. There's... A mistake happens. Tara ends up having to call into the show so she can answer the questions live, but then she has to run around the party to keep Stacy from seeing her. It's wacky. There's hijinks involved. It doesn't make any sense, but it is the most active part of the movie. It is. Uh, also, she's wearing a a bad hat because uh, bad hats are <laughs> a Disney part staple. and parcel of this movie. Everyone wears a bad hat uh, one time or another. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, it's weird. Everyone at this school dresses like some sort of clown or like <laughs> like a weird coloring book version of a, of a person like no one. No one's everyone is dressed to the to like they are they are they are costumed to the furthest possible extent of the law. Sometimes when we record this show, I wear something that was mentioned in a book like i i have a beret for some of the uh george nicholson i had i own a lot of outfits that look like both tibby's from sisterhood of the traveling pants and christie's from the babysitter's club i don't have a silly enough hat for this one and i it's actually kind of sad like it's like i guess i can wear my flower crown from the midsummer costume but that just seems excessive <laughs> and it, also it's it's not comfortable right <laughs> so yeah that's there are a lot of people making this movie who seem to be having the time of their life. Like the right, extras. it's not a lazy movie. No, the extras, the costume designer, the set design is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think 
there's there are a couple scenes in the cafeteria that I was like, is that the high school musical cafeteria? Uh, you just triggered something that I totally remember. And this is something that Alana and I noticed while we were watching the movie and we both turned to each other. I said it and she was like, I was just thinking that. The first, probably just the first half of the movie seems like, and not just because of the acting style, not just because of the way it's written, but also the music cues. It seems like a musical that all the songs have been cut from. The music, it, and I like the opening, like the score for the first half of the movie. I was like, this is evocative, and I can't figure out why. It kept seeming like it was about to lead into a song to the point where I was going, a song would go right here. And cool. a song would go right there. And you could put a song right there. It felt like someone had taken a musical and not just in the script stage cut out the songs, but filmed it and then just chopped all the songs out of it. It's also, it's... The scene transitions are so not quite sitcom-y, but like we fade to black, we have wipes. Like it's, there's commercial there, cuts, there's commercial yeah. breaks. It oh seems. yeah, there are absolutely places songs could go. You're not wrong about that at all. Um, I uh, before I forget, they moved the movie to Seattle for some reason. Right, that was another thing. I could buy radio, whatever the radio station is. It's a uh, Slam FM. Slam FM. I could buy Slam FM being the second most popular radio station in like their like sort of like what are they Miami? Yeah, Miami suburb. Like, like a, my in their suburb of Miami. Like that I could buy that. This is supposed to be the most popular radio station in Seattle. Seattle, the the birth of the grunge movement and then Radio Rebel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a radio station that apparently only plays generic Disney pop. Yes, and uh, briefly, she is the most famous person in Seattle because there are literally like billboards that say who is Radio, Radio Rebel. Rebel. Yeah. A, yeah. a question no one has ever wondered, which is, who is this DJ actually? Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's never been... Guess what? The, the I don't know, the Scuzz on 106 FM. No one's ever wondered what that guy's name really is. He's just a DJ that you listen to. <sighs> But Radio Rebel is so much more than that. Radio Rebel represents uh, being yourself and going for it and confronting your fears. And the times this movie works for me, because it does occasionally work Mm -hmm. for me, are when a character is talking about their feelings and it doesn't feel completely manufactured. Like, sure, Tara does the extreme socially, like socially anxious things she does in the book. She cannot write on a board she cannot walk across a room without uh freezing up getting nervous but then she'll talk about like whether she's in character as radio rebel or she's talking to her mother or gavin or her best friend she feels like a real person in a way that is surprising contrasting with everything else going on right especially her best friend who like the character in the book could be cut and it would not affect the story in any way. I don't right. actually know what her purpose is. Uh, she's afraid of hyenas. She is, which is hilarious every time she does it. Everything this woman says is accompanied by some sort of face or hand gesture that completely adds to the scene. Yeah. Man, it doesn't like, I, I mean, this does mean that she gets to do the alas poor Yorick monologue, but it is about, it was just not even a monologue. That's a, that's neither here nor there, uh, which is, uh, she rewrites it. So it's about a spork, I guess. Yeah. 
It's hilarious. It's so random. She's one of those kids who is so random. Yeah, there's a lot of so random going on here. um, Like the Balkan Skull kids uh, analyzing Radio Rebel's voice using like some kind of, uh, I don't know, algorithmic (laughs) generator of all of the girls' voices of everyone. (laughs) But but bear in mind that every time they do anything on screen, they are having some sort of seizure. While it's happening, they are shaking wildly and like foaming at the mouth. They hide in cardboard boxes for like the last half of the movie, which is apparently the funniest thing in, that the director's ever really seen because uh, they keep cutting back to it. Also, they get to um, they get to dance with Stacy's lackey at the yes. prom. Yes, the they morbid. do. Who is also another like what is what movie is this character from? Character. Yeah, there's a uh, when Stacy uncovers who Radio Rebel is, it's because this lackey, uh, dressed as a pizza delivery person on roller skates, in order to get some audio proving that Tara's mom is Tara's mom, I guess. Or yeah, in the radio station, and then she falls face first into the pizza. It's very funny. It it's... doesn't make sense because that pizza would have to have no cheese on it for her face to look like that. <laughs> Gavin figures out we don't even know where they got the pizza from. She could have made the pizza herself and just not known how to do it. Uh, covered some dough and sauce. Oh, pizza sounds amazing right now. Go on. Uh, Gavin figures out she's Radio Rebel because he delivers a sandwich to the radio station uh, dressed as a sandwich. Yep. A dancing sandwich. No um, which I don't know if anyone knows this. That's not how delivery works. Your your mascot <laughs> isn't dressed, isn't de- making the deliveries. That's usually just a person dancing outside your restaurant. Uh, but yeah, uh, he one of the conflicts of the book is that she feels she's being dishonest with Gavin. Yeah, and there's a little bit of that here, mm-hmm. like she's afraid to show people the real her, but she doesn't plagued with it quite the same way. And she does ask him at the end, like, I, "Like, is it okay that I lie to you?" Basically, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I, I knew you wanted to keep the secret." Right. <laughs> he's like, "I'm not an idiot," and yeah. uh, and it does, it doesn't affect anything anyway. Like, I may as well not have figured it out because this is me becoming the prom king and you becoming prom queen was totally arbitrary anyway excuse me morp Morp. thank you (laughs) the morp king and queen um now her giving the crown to stacy besides being an absolutely empty gesture because no one cares anything about the morp like it's not a real thing not in any way Uh, it's like giving some it's like a it's like a dundee award it just it doesn't matter you throw it in the garbage this is a girl who already has her own tiaras. There's a point at the party, Tara ends up in Stacy's bedroom and sees Stacy's tiara that she's had since she was a little girl. And so Tara's like, oh, this this nearly an adult young woman still thinks she's a pretty, pretty princess. That's weird and off-putting, I guess. She's not only a terrible person, she's also deluded. Yeah. At the morp, she's backstage as radio rebel and stacy i don't know why is all by herself (laughs) talking to herself about the fact that she is a pretty pretty princess and she definitely deserves to be prom queen no matter what somehow this is seen by tara as like a deep insight into this girl's character like we know that she's self-centered and self-absorbed and thinks she's a pretty pretty princess that doesn't mean she deserves it. Like she's nothing but mean to you. Like she locks Tara in a closet in order to fail her, get her to fail her project. Stacy's just a a mean girl, and yeah. for some reason yeah. at the end, 
because we see her mumbling to herself about wanting to be a pretty, pretty princess, we're supposed to be like, oh, my guess deep down she really does just want to be a pretty, pretty princess. Like, that's not that's not character development. That's just no. it's just a uh, way to, like, make Tara the hero. Yeah, it's not even really character development on the part of Tara because it's not no. like Tara's ever really snapped back at Stacey except the one time she's like, I'm going to do my thing. And it's, yeah. It doesn't need to be there, but it's there, and that's fine. You know what? It's all fine. Yeah. Like, so Tara, Tara votes herself in this prom queen, I guess. Uh, stupidly goes up on stage to accept the award. The principal mugs her way across the auditorium, <laughs> literally like doing some kind of like third-tier Jim Carrey wannabe like character walk. She does great character walk, let's be real. Twirls her mustache, says that Tara is going to be expelled. Tara, like, gives a speech, but then everyone is like, no, I'm Radio Rebel. I'm Radio Rebel. This is the Spartacus scene. The principal's like, I guess I can't do anything now. Yeah, Cammy points out you can't expel everyone, which I guess yeah. if she has the power to expel Tara for doing something that is not a, a, an expulsion-worthy offense that maybe yeah, she, she can she know. could be like uh no well i'm still gonna expel tara everyone else here uh you lose like so and such privileges for the rest of the year or like we're canceling the end of the year uh like fair or something like that like uh sports are canceled and it's everyone's fault like she's a vindictive enough woman i'm sure she could figure something out instead she does this like groucho <laughs> marx-esque like ha cha cha movement like off the stage i'm like no one told her how to exit they just the director was like do something funny as you're leaving and she's like i'm like but it's it's the kind of funny thing you do when like you're kind of if if you're sitting at your desk at work and someone's like hey christy uh you're kind of out you're kind of extroverted uh we have a new employee here show them something funny you can do oh and you stood <laughs> An up awful moment for and everyone. you stood up and you were like waving your arms and like ha, 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 i'm a funny person it's like at that level like and then she and then she walks off screen and never seen again uh and then uh tara and gavin dance uh mm -hmm. he kisses her on the cheek this is when she finds out that he's dancing sandwich man or maybe she already did uh before that he and the g's performed a song they sure mm -hmm. yeah, they were it was, it was yeah. fine <laughs> yeah they performed songs uh Oh, and there's a whole subplot where the G's, his best friend is like, we should only perform popular music. And Gavin's like, I want to perform heartfelt music, man. And so he's going to, he gets kicked out of the band or he leaves the band, but then he's not like, and then it's all fine. Like also, they all come together. Uh, his best friend doesn't want him to date Tara. Oh, this is the weirdest part. Yeah. It's really strange. Cause he's like, you can't date her. She, that doesn't look good for us. Like it's, she's, I guess she's right. not high profile enough. This is one of those things where everyone who is cast in a movie like this is very beautiful. Yeah. So, like, very conventionally attractive. So who cares? Like, right. yeah. <laughs> literally, who cares? Debbie Ryan is, she's an unusual looking leading woman. Like, as yeah, far as, like, as far as, like, but she has, but she's not in the pantheon of Disney live action movie leads. Or I guess she was a TV star, Jesse. She was Jesse. Yeah. Um. They all have that kind of like Disney look that Selena yeah. Gomez, like round faced, big eyed, like she looks like a Disney actress, a Disney TV actress. Yeah. And yeah, you're supposed to. She's not mousy. 
She wears a she wears a, a schlumpy hat. That's like how you're supposed to know that she's shy. Uh, she wears like she kind of dresses down. She walks she with her shoulders. She also has a lot of stupid hats, though. They become more flamboyant as the movie develops. She hunches over a lot. The thing people make fun of is she kind of looks. She kind of does the Kubrick like looking under <laughs> her brows, like looking down, but like sort of glancing at the world around her. Um, but but she's you know she's a cute kid and right. Like anyone who dated her would be like happy to be dating her. She's nice. She's cute. Like that's it. And Stacy looks like she's thirty-five years old. So yes, like... Stacy is a statuesque model, <laughs> played by a uh, Merritt somebody or other. Her name is uh, Merritt Patterson. Um, sure. Who you know from the ABC Family Show Kyle X Y. It's easy to uh... it's easy to forget uh, that like there's that weird like. ABC Family, Disney Channel, like, like stuff in the stuff that was on Disney Channel America was on ABC Family in Canada, because mm-hmm. uh, they're kind of there's a, they're, they're kind of the same thing in a lot of ways. And this but it is also a, re- a lot of the things re ran on mm-hmm. either ABC Family or Disney Channel or vice versa. Here. Right, so, similar yeah. audiences, I mean, same company. And mm-hmm. but what's wild about this movie, Radio Rebel, is it's not on Disney Plus. I it's on freebie if anyone wants mm-hmm. to watch it it's on freebie uh and which peacock. is a service it's and it's a real on service. peacock yeah oh it's also on peacock i didn't i watched yeah. it on freebie with ads uh it, it, i i did not realize it was on peacock i rented it because i didn't want to sit through the ads okay that's fair uh it actually felt kind of appropriate to have ads in there but yeah you know, i can see that what you gotta do uh it, yeah, it's not on Disney Plus, despite this being famously a decom and a decom that people roast. Like that's what people do with this. And you know, is it worth roasting? Yes. Yes. But yes. not as you said for the reason people keep roasting it. No, it has nothing to do with Debbie Ryan. It has to do with literally everything else going on. Yeah. Yeah. She's not the problem with this movie. No, uh, and I guess the book Tara's one of the problems yeah <laughs> but but she's a the, there's an improvement upon the character here like we don't have to deal with any of the signature like ya of that era body issues like that is not a problem exactly. we never talk about that uh we don't have to deal with like her mom or sleazy dj or anything like that mm-hmm. and and there's a lot less of the kind of i hate myself flavor to it right right she's just a little shy she's just a little shy she's just not she's not the most popular girl in in the school um the debbie ryan you know she got her start on like i think uh sweet life was sweet life on deck was like her big breakout then she was in jesse uh uh sing it was another tv series she had that insatiable series on netflix that I got did a... not recall that one. Yeah, she was the lead in that. It's called Insatiable. She got terrible like write-ups for it. Like that was where oh, people were okay. like, she's trying to sort of switch to the mainstream more, and mm-hmm. it, no one was buying it. She is when Disney Channel actors, with few exceptions, try to make the switch to like mainstream entertainment. Because I consider Disney Channel acting a niche. <laughs> It is uh, uh, the Nickelodeon house style, Disney Channel style. You realize just the limitations of of the of the, of the talents of a lot of these a lot of these performers. Uh, it reminds me of when people like wonder why t- uh, like TV voiceover actors 
don't get cast in leads in major animated motion pictures. And I'm like, it's usually because they are very talented and capable of 15 minutes of a character who has maybe one or two layers. Mm-hmm. That's not the same as um, car- carrying an entire movie. And that's kind of the same thing with Disney Channel actors. They're good at stuff like this where your attention span doesn't have to be very strong. But emotionally carrying an entire movie is beyond the ability of most of these kids. Right. And it's I think it's a big driver in why so many of them end up pivoting to pop stardom instead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and just like Debbie Ryan, she had a band like she's a singer. Yeah, because that's like your Selena Gomez's, your Miley Cyrus's, your your Ariana Grande's. And then there are some that are kind of oddballs and just doesn't happen at all. But like even listing those people, Selena Gomez, Mm -hmm. I think just being the major exception with used to being like a a TV actor now and a respected one. But like Miley Cyrus tried to be in movies for a bit and that didn't really catch fire. Yep. Uh, The the Demi Lovato's of the world, like... It's just you're good at you're good at this thing and it doesn't necessarily translate into huge like acting ability right. or stardom. Yeah, you're still a star. Don't worry. Don't worry, folks. You're still a star. <laughs> you're just you're just not you're not a uh, Laurence Olivier. You're still, you're still making a lot of money. Yeah, you're still making more money than I can fathom. So <laughs> And you're still uh, you're still mimetic. Like uh, in Debbie right. Ryan's case, like I do think she's embraced this this quality that she has. Mhm. But that's a that's a good for her. I mean, like it's a Nothing Rebecca Black her. situation. You, there's not really any other way you can do it. Right. I guess. And you know, like I don't think she's complaining about her lot in life. She's doing well. I'm sure she's not. Yeah. Yeah. She's got, uh, yeah. This is a this sure is a movie. It is absolutely a movie. It's a bad movie. I'm glad I watched it because it was it, it fascinated me. It, uh, yeah. Uh, as we said, it is basically pump up the volume for little kids uh if you've never seen the christian slater film pump up the volume it's about a high school kid who has a pirate radio station who nobody knows who he is but he becomes the most popular kid in school even though he's a bit of an introvert forms a romantic relationship there's a teacher who's trying to figure out who this guy is like it's kind of the same story except without the meat of pump up the volume (laughs) But if you want to watch Radio Rebel, you can catch it on a streaming service of some kind. <laughs> Freebie of some sort. You can pay you can pay $25 for the Blu-ray if you want to. <laughs> and boy, do I want to. Uh, I I would like to see some outtakes. Like that's what I'm looking for. Give me some bloops. But... I want to I want like a behind the scenes documentary. I want to know how the director of Sliding Doors, I want to know how Peter Howitt came to direct Radio Rebel. I want to know how the, Eric Patterson, who's one of the screenwriters, uh, uh, who also wrote like a bunch of like the Cinderella story sequels, a bunch of like, of course, he's also a famous playwright, not famous, famous, but like yeah. a successful playwright whose most famous play I can't say the title of on our show because oh. it is because it is a uh, a it is an adult sex act. <laughs> I'll have to be. I'll have to look into that afterward. So hope. like. Like, those listening do the same. <laughs> these are these are people who like have careers outside of making Disney Channel like originals. Uh, I'm just I'm fascinated. You know me. I'm fascinated yeah, by the ins and outs of of, of trash uh, pop culture because it's there's there's always a story behind it. Of course. So uh, what are we gonna do next week? What are you thinking? We I know go- what we're doing. <laughs> we're do- 
to we sell are doing a, we are doing a book and a movie that is that we're 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 it's it's like a the 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 mirror universe version of radio rebel in a way uh we are doing the novel and the adaptation of the novel moxie which is also about high school also about rebellion and being yourself except if i recall correctly far more successful a thing (laughs) can't wait yeah, very I, excited for that. And then we have another book on deck after that, but we don't have to talk about that. Let's we just do have another. Right yeah, we are. Moxie. Look at us. Look at us planning ahead. I know it's crazy, right? Uh, and this, the next book is one that I thought of as I was falling asleep one night and thought, surely I will remember this tomorrow morning. It took me four days to remember it, but I'm so <laughs> glad I finally did. Yes, and we'll be revealing that one next episode. Next week. All right. <laughs> uh, pizza toast pod gmail dot com. Pizza post. Pizza post, Todd. Not the pizza yeah, post. Yeah. Or, a, pizza or as my, or as my therapist Twitter. said this morning, isn't it pizza something? It's pizza something. Pizza, pizza something. Hey, a, we'll talk about renaming this sometime, but why would we? Yeah. Why would we do something? I know. I'd have, to, I'd have to redo the logo and everything. And I love the logo. The logo is so good. <laughs> <laughs> we're just little guys. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is a... Uh, we're not saying... What are we saying goodbye to? Uh, uh, say goodbye to your... Say goodbye to your um uh hyenas. Yeah, say goodbye. Uh, bye hyenas. Goodbye hyenas. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> <laughs>